summer night during a severe thunderstorm, a mother was tucking in her uh, young son into bed and uh, she was about to turn off the light when he said in a trembling voice, Mommy, can you stay in here with me all night? She smiled at that warm, reassuring hug and she said, I can't, dear. I I have to sleep in our room with Daddy. And after a brief silence, the boy said, the big sissy. Storms happen. Uh, Around here we have thunderstorms and windstorms and snowstorms. I mean, they're nothing to mess with. There can be thunder and lightning and hail and high winds and sometimes tornadoes and and flooding and snow drifts and icy roads. And uh, they, they, uh, they can be downright scary at times. Before we moved here, I had not heard the term before, where squalls persist. I did not know the wonderful uh, joys of the lake effect. I had not lived in a place where we had an effect from the lake, but we learned very quickly uh, that, uh, that, that squalls can indeed persist and that storms can, uh, can continue. They have, they have storms in, in many places, different parts of the, of the world uh, call them different things and different kinds of storms, hurricanes, typhoons, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think there's a place in the, on the planet uh, that is exempt from storms. And I don't think there is a person on the planet who is exempt from storms in our lives either. Uh, We all face things in life that we'd call storms, things that that blow up out of nowhere, they cause damage, and and sometimes it feels like they will never relent. So how are you at handling the storms in your life? We've been, we've been following Jesus through the book of Luke in the Bible, getting snapshots of his life and ministry and will culminate uh, on Easter with his death and resurrection. And uh, Not only do I want you in this series to, uh, to learn stories and facts about Jesus, which of course we'll do, but, but I believe that, that God can use this study in each of our lives to, uh, to, to find out what it means to follow Jesus now, today, uh, in, in our lives. Uh, we followed Jesus into the wilderness a couple of weeks ago and we learned that we can stand up uh, against temptation just like Jesus did. We, um, excuse me, <clears throat> we followed Jesus uh, to the shores of the Sea of Galilee and, and we heard his invitation to leave everything and, and follow him. That's where we were last week. And today uh, we're following Jesus into a storm in a boat on that same Sea of Galilee. It's in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down, there it is, squall, there's the word. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. 
Now, maybe you've heard that story before. Don't get it confused with when Jesus walked on water. Same lake, different storm. Uh, it, it's a pretty simple story, just four verses there in, in Luke, and, and we're amazed by God's miraculous intervention in the storm. Uh, a few words of rebuke and everything was over, and Jesus calmed the storm. And we want that in our storms, right? Uh, but I think... I think the big impact in this story isn't so much that big flashy miracle that Jesus did, but the question that he asked afterwards. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Now, just to catch you up, uh, it's been a little while since, uh, since last Sunday when we were uh, with Jesus with Simon, Jesus and Simon Peter in, in chapter 5 and that miraculous catch of fish. Uh, let's walk through there from chapter 5 to chapter 8. A lot has been going on. And, and I guess since this isn't Netflix, you can't press the skip recap button, so you're stuck recapping with me. So here we go. Uh, uh, Jesus has been traveling around the area with his disciples. He's been teaching and healing. Uh, he's called more people to follow him. He named 12 of them uh, uh, as apostles. So these, he went off and, and prayed all night long, came back and said, you 12, you're kind of the inner circle here. And, uh, and then he's, he's continued to, to, to make the church leaders mad at him because he's healing on the Sabbath and they don't want him to. And, and he's hanging out with sinners and they don't don't want him to and, and things uh, appeared to get a little sketchy at one point when a sinful woman uh, kissed and anointed Jesus feet at a dinner party but but Jesus praised her and and he even forgave her sins He's been telling stories. He's been uh, teaching crowds about the kingdom of God. He even raised a widow's son from the dead. Jesus has been rather busy over those chapters from, from chapter 5 to chapter 8. A, a lot has been going on. Because of all this activity, uh, Jesus actually had, had quite a following. He, he was kind of a celebrity of sorts. He was, he was gathering big crowds wherever he went. And so in the middle of all this, uh, in, in Jesus' ministry, uh, he, he told the guys, uh, these, these 12, uh, that, that he's now appointed, he said, let's, let's just head over to the other side of the lake. I mean, it didn't seem like a big deal. That's, that's what they'd been doing. They'd go, been going from town to town, either walking or taking a boat. And, and so, uh, so uh, they, they just got in the boat and they took off. But I wonder, though, if, if Jesus had planned this little excursion for another purpose. I mean, if, if you read on, uh, you'll see that, that Jesus had big plans, big things to do on the other side of the lake, uh, casting demons into pigs uh, and, and, and uh, all that story. Uh, he, he may also have sensed, I don't know whether he had the foreknowledge or not, but, uh, but, but he may also have known that this storm was coming too. Now, from what I've read, and maybe you've read it too, storms can and, and still do, uh, did then, still do now, whip up pretty fast and furious on the Sea of Galilee. It's actually a lake. They called it uh, the Sea of Galilee. Some called it the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret. Uh, uh, it it, it uh, sits 600 feet below sea level, uh, hills all around it. Many times they say the cold air uh, whipping through the, the hills, and it sweeps down and, and matches with the warm air on the lake, and, and these Storms can kind of come up pretty quick and be pretty severe. This one seemed to be a, a, a really big one because half of these guys are seasoned fishermen. Remember, uh, they're all fishing in the boat. Come follow me. Uh, these guys have, have experience on this lake, and yet they're in this boat fearing for their lives in the middle of this storm. It's probably not the first storm they saw on this sea. Uh, they, 
Luke uses, like I said, the, the term squall, which actually in Greek, uh, it, it can also be translated hurricane. So, so this is the, uh, the type of storm that they're dealing with. It's a pretty severe storm. Uh, scholars have, have wondered, people have wondered uh, for years, uh, many years, about uh, where this storm might have come from or, or was it caused? Was there some cause behind it? See, some scholars say that, that, that maybe Satan caused this storm. Uh, because he didn't want Jesus to get across the lake and cast out all those demons, right? Uh, Luke also uses the word rebuke, uh, that Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. Uh, that's the same word that Luke uses when Jesus casts out demons from people. Uh, he rebukes them. So some scholars say, well, maybe this was like a satanic thing, uh, that, that Satan caused this storm trying to, trying to get these guys. Some scholars say that God uh, could have caused this storm in order to uh, whip up this little lesson out on the middle, uh, middle of the lake in the middle of the night. The disciples needed to learn something, uh, so he wanted to test them, and uh, so he sent a whale of a storm to see how they'd handle it. Or maybe this was just a natural occurrence that happened because the right gusts of wind blew through the right hills at the right time and it just happened to create this perfect storm the elements were right to bring it all together and Jesus and his disciples just happened to get caught in the middle of it I don't know for sure who or what was behind this storm it could have been could have been any of those things but I think that's kind of like the storms that we face in life too I, not, not the weather, uh, but, but life brings its own storms. There's problems and pain and suffering, disease, uh, financial crises, uh, grief, pandemics, and, and so many other things come blowing into our lives and it can be overwhelming and, and debilitating. It literally could be an attack of the devil or it could be a test from God or maybe it's just the simple fact that we live in a fallen sinful world and people get sick and die and governments wage war and economies crumble. Since creation, people have had the ability to choose right or wrong and many times have chosen wrong and it hurts others and there's repercussions and that's the world in which we live. There, there are storms in life. You face them. Maybe, maybe you're facing one or some right now. On some level, I think all of us can relate to those disciples out on that lake in the middle of that storm. So the, the, the boat is, is uh, rocking and rolling and, and everything's going crazy and, and they, they run to Jesus. The disciples run to Jesus who's sleeping through it all, which I think is the first miracle in this story, right? <laughs> There's a, a hurricane force uh, storm on the lake and Jesus is asleep, uh, uh, or at least pretending to be, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and the raging waters. The wind dies down, the water stops churning. All is calm, it says, and obviously this wowed the disciples but Jesus question again still gets to the heart of the whole thing where is your faith see we all have faith in something now I, I know there are all sorts of belief systems and religions spanning the spanning the spectrum in our country and in our world today including people who say they don't believe in anything uh, but well I don't know I heard this one this week I, I can't resist I don't know whether it fits or not, but here we go. Uh, what do you get when you cross a Jehovah's Witness with an atheist? Someone who rings your doorbell for no apparent reason. So there we go. Um, there are belief systems 
all over the place, spanning the whole spectrum, right? And, and even people that might self-identify as atheists, they, they still have belief in some things. They have faith in, in things like that their car is going to start in the morning or, or that the chair that they sit in is going to hold them up or, or that their morning co- coffee is going to help them function on Monday morning. We, we put our faith in a lot of things. And the disciples had faith out in that boat. Jesus asked, well, where is it? No doubt their faith was in their boat, uh, in their oars, in the things that they knew about life on the sea. I'm sure that uh, these guys uh, that weren't fishermen had faith in the guys that were as they step into the boat thinking, well, these guys know what they're doing so we can trust them uh, and their ability to handle whatever comes up. And, and all of those things are great things and, and, and uh, good to have faith in, at least when the weather's cooperating. I'm, I'm sure they were in a sturdy boat that had sailed many a trip across that lake. And these guys had, I mean, they had mad boating skills. It was, it was good stuff. These are good things to have faith in. But, but that storm capsized everything that they had faith in. So Jesus asked them, where is your faith? Where is your faith today? What do you rely on in the middle of your storms? Because it's not so much about the amount of your faith, but where it rests that is, is really the key. Just a few chapters later, Jesus said that, that, that if we have even a tiny bit of faith in him, we can make mountains move. The importance is, is not the amount of faith as much as who or what it is in I think sometimes we treat faith like a weapon, especially in a storm. We say, well, if, if, if you just have enough faith, that person is going to get well, or, or that problem is going to go away. If you just have enough faith, we think, if I just believe it enough, uh, somehow it will magically make God do his thing. And so it's up to me to have enough faith, and we use it as a weapon, but faith isn't a weapon that we can use to manipulate God for our own desires. That's a, that's a huge misunderstanding of faith. Instead, I, man, maybe it's too simple. I think faith is simply trusting God, period. Is, is that too simple? Is that too deep? Is that too complex? It's trusting whatever the circumstances, even if things don't make sense, even when everything is going wrong, even in the storm, and it seems like we're going down with the ship, trust God, period. Believe that he is who he says he is, that he loves the way he says he loves, that his promises are true, and that even when you can't see him, even when he seems asleep, even when he seems oblivious to your situation, he indeed has a plan and you can trust him. Where is your faith? Is it in your circumstances? Oh, everything's going great. Uh, yeah, everything's good in my, in my faith. Uh, is, is your faith in your abilities? Maybe it's in your bank account. Maybe it's in the people around you. Is, maybe your, your faith is in your health. Uh, what happens then in a pandemic? Is, is your faith uh, in your stable, predictable life? Or is your faith in Jesus? Now, I have no doubt that if I had been in that boat, I probably would have been the first one to go wake up Jesus. I, I'm just full full disclosure, uh, transparency. Uh, maybe that maybe that makes me a big sissy. I don't know what, but uh, but uh, but I think that I probably would have been the first one to go wake up. But but is that a bad thing? 
I mean, when we come to the end of ourselves, in the middle of our storms, we need to go to Jesus, right? Uh, that's what he wants us to do. But I wonder, I, I think this is the difference. I, I wonder if uh, instead of crying out and asking Jesus to, uh, to, to, uh, for the storm to pass, I wonder if Jesus would have wanted his disciples that day to cry out to him for more faith instead. Sometimes God calms the storms in our lives he heals a sickness. He brings a job at just the right time. He brings justice to the oppressed, reconciliation to the brokenhearted. God can and does do the miraculous. He calms storms. But sometimes he doesn't. That's the problem, right? Sometimes, can we just be real today? Sometimes he doesn't. Maybe it's many times he doesn't. I mean, people die. Wars rage, pandemics spread, people are oppressed and taken advantage of, and God does not intervene. I, I, I don't, I'm not gonna stand here today and give you all the answers as to why not, because my heart breaks for those who go through all kinds of suffering. Sometimes God calms the storms in our lives, but sometimes he doesn't. Instead, he says, hang on and trust me. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just take away the hard things uh, I mean, that's a huge question people have wrestled with, uh, maybe from the dawn of time. Uh, it, it has nuanced theological answers. I have books upon books on my shelf and, and uh, read through things and, and seen studies and videos and walked through it, and you guys have too, I'm sure. Uh, there, are, there are all sorts of, of answers or, or stabs at why or why not, but I think uh, today just a couple of things, couple of things have been on my heart as we think about uh, why God might make us go through storms or allow us to go through storms. I think we get a clue of, of one reason when we see where they were going. They're, they're headed across the lake, right? Hey guys, let's go to the other side of the lake. Well, this wasn't a vacation trip heading out to the other side of the lake. Uh, they were headed to the region of the Gerasenes where a crazy man was fighting a legion of demons every moment of every day and night. He was, he was uh, ostracized from his community because he was causing so many problems. They chained him up, but he broke the chains. He's living out uh, in the tombs, and he's literally tormented by these demons, and Jesus is heading to the other side of the lake in order to free that man from his suffering. But Jesus' plan for that man meant the disciples had to go through a storm to get there. They, they didn't have any idea what was on the horizon, how Jesus was gonna work the next day in that man's life. It, it was gonna be so worth it, but, but they just saw the storm. Could it be that sometimes we have to endure difficulty so someone else can get the help they need from Jesus? Sometimes the storms in our lives aren't about us. Jesus says, where is your faith? Trust me, period. I've got a plan. I'm working it out. Trust me. Another, another big reason why Jesus would take us through storms has a lot to do with our own growth and maturity. Most of the time, it's during hard things in our lives when we grow the most, right? Uh, we, we learn a whole lot more in a storm than we do on a sunny day. Now, I, I love sunny days. I, I love days when I, when I don't, when I look at the schedule for, for, uh, for my running and training and it says that it's a rest day and I say, woohoo, right? I, I, those are, those are good days. I, I love vacation times. Those are, those are good times. But 
I don't get, uh, don't do a whole lot of learning or growing while I'm on vacation. And, and I don't get faster and stronger on my days off of running. The hard days are the, are the days that make us stronger. And, and I believe that part of Jesus' plan that night on the Sea of Galilee and part of his plan for us as we go through the crises in our lives is, is that those, the, those things will strengthen our faith in him. It's a theme that's repeated throughout scripture. James chapter one, verses two through four says it this way, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. First Peter one, six and seven says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, why? So that the proven uh, genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Regardless of whether God causes storms or not, he certainly uses storms. They show us where our faith is, and they grow us. So, the question is still there. Where is your faith? If your faith is in the governments and systems of this world, you will be let down. If your faith is in the people around you, you're probably going to be disappointed. At some point, uh, your spouse will most likely let you down. Your, your kids are, are not always going to do exactly what you desire them to do. Your neighbors and coworkers and friends are going to let you down. Even Can I just be honest? Even your church and your pastor probably at some point are going to let you down. Even if your faith is in your own abilities to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and press on, at some point you'll realize that, that your own strength has its limits and you will let yourself down. If your faith is in any of those things, it has its limits. Jesus says, where is your faith? It can only be in him, in Jesus, who, who rules the winds and the waves, in Jesus, who forgives sin, in, in Jesus, who has provided a way for a relationship with him and the promise of heaven by conquering sin and death forever, in, in Jesus, who gives strength enough for every circumstance we face, in Jesus, who, who is indeed in your boat, on your side, riding out the storm with you because he loves you and he knows that you'll be better for it on the other side. So what if, crazy thought, what if in the middle of your storm, instead of just praying for it to be over, you pray for faith? I don't know what, uh, what storm or storms you're facing today. All across this room and, and on the worldwide interweb could be a whole host of things that we're facing The question isn't about the storm. The question is, how is your faith in the middle of it? Challenge you today as you look at just these four verses, this simple story in in Luke chapter eight, as you see uh, Jesus and his disciples in that boat, uh, know that God has a plan and he is riding out the storm with you, even if he doesn't calm it right away. 